world is full of mysteries. And we're here to explore them all. Welcome to ABC Cryptozoology. ABC Cryptozoology. Welcome to ABC Cryptozoology, the show where we teach you the ABCs of cryptozoology. Wow, it's been some time. Uh, first and foremost, we'd like to thank you all for sticking with us. I know it probably seems like it would be, you know, we would never show back up. But uh, but between everything that we were having to deal with, uh, remote schooling, career changes, uh, just crazy life events, um, it definitely took the back burner. But we're back. We're really excited to show and share with you everything that's going on. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're super pumped. Uh, and we're just thankful to say that we're back and super excited to continue the show. That's right. Today we are talking about the Flatwoods Monster, a truly bizarre cryptid that was sighted in West Virginia in the year 1952. This one borders on cryptid and alien, but it seems to run both circles. So we decided to go ahead and include it. Mostly because we think it's a really cool story. And since we've been away so long, we just want to jump right into it. But before we do, we want to acknowledge an awesome person who reached out to us recently. Glenn from Alabama, thank you again for your kind email. It really helped us get this episode finished. Season 1, Episode 6. F is for the Flatwoods Monster. In the year 1952, in a small town of Flatwoods in West Virginia, a legend would be born. But this legend had two different realities. The one that pop culture knows, and the one that was not embellished. In this episode, we will be talking about both. Because while their origin stories are the same, where they land are quite different from each other. We begin on the night of September 12th, 1952, just over 68 years ago. The May brothers, Ed and Fred, and their friend Tommy Heyer noticed a red pulsing light zipping across the sky. It suddenly plummeted to earth, seemingly crashing into the woods of a nearby farm. The boys ran home to get Ed and Fred's mother, Kathleen, so they could investigate what had fallen from the sky. Once they got there, they discovered that they were not the only ones who had seen the object crash. In fact, three other boys were there checking it out with their dog. And what they saw was absolutely horrifying. They first saw a large glowing object, almost egg or lemon shaped, protruding from the ground. All around the object was an eerie mist. The dog that was with them entered the mist and moved toward the object. It let out a loud yip and ran as fast as it could away from it. That is when they saw something else in the woods. One of the boys, Gene Lemon, who was a National Guard member, described a creature that was nearly 10 feet tall. Its eyes were glowing in the dark. Its body was red and possibly covered in a tunic-type garb, and it had clawed hands. Everyone was terrified and rushed out of the woods to the local police. There, they described what they saw in detail. Every single individual that night described nearly the same thing with only a few discrepancies. But that is to be expected, with that many eyewitnesses of varying ages. The dog that ran back towards town was later found dead. It apparently had vomited all the way home and ended up dying shortly after it made it home. 
Now, the story goes, the West Virginia National Guard sent in a covert team commanded by Colonel Dale Levitt to Flatwoods to search for evidence of the creature and possible craft. And while no creature or craft was found, they did find an impression in the ground that was 20 feet in diameter, and it was described that the area smelt of burnt sulfur. Additionally, in the days following the sighting, military pilots had a sighting of their own. Not of the Flatwoods monster, but of UFOs following their planes. This only added to the argument that what happened in Flatwoods was true. Now, it should be noted that this sighting happened during a time where flying saucers and visitors from other worlds was on everyone's minds due to the alleged crash in Roswell, as well as the flying saucer sightings over Mount Rainier here in Washington. Hollywood was busy making movies about these aliens, only adding to the concerns across the United States. Add in the fact that West Virginia had, in recent years, their own strange aerial phenomenon reported. And you have the making of a story that is bound to get people talking. And talking they did. News spread of the sighting and many thought the story was ridiculous. News articles were in papers across the U.S. talking about the sighting. Some of them said the creature was fire-breathing and upwards to 17 feet tall. It was almost Frankenstein-like. The list goes on. The news had a story and ran with it. And this unfortunately caused many to not take any of the information seriously. They were even getting the names of the witness wrong. The only truth that was being told across all of the papers was that there was a sighting. But, like many stories told of strange sightings, it was forgotten over time. That was until UFO writer Gray Barker came to West Virginia because of the 1966 and 67 sightings of another local legend, the Mothman. While he was visiting West Virginia, he recalled the tale of the Flatwoods monster and took it upon himself to travel to Flatwoods to interview the witnesses firsthand. He published his findings in the paranormal magazine known as Fate. Barker was joined by Ivan T. Sanderson, who we talked about previously in the Ahua episode. Ivan had a special interest in the Flatwoods monster, as it was quite peculiar and somehow fit in both the cryptozoology studies as well as the alien and UFO studies. The publication and fate caused the news to spread, and this was where the story began to split into two. The Flatwoods monster was now reaching a new height of interest, and the small town was becoming a spot to check out for those interested in the strange and unusual. With the sightings of Mothman not that far away, it only added to the curiosity of those folk. And as time went on, more and more residents of Flatwoods began to come forward with their own stories of their encounters with the creature, adding more and more chapters to the tale. A lot of these individuals were repeating information that was told in some of those newspaper articles, such as the stories of the mist that could make you sick, or adding new information, such as that it was hovering in the air when they saw it. And then, everything went quiet. For years, people outside of Flatwoods just forgot about the story. But in the 80s and on, the creature suddenly had a resurgence as a pop culture icon. It seems somehow the interest in the strange creature began to grow as it was depicted in everything from album covers to video game bosses. 
Even more interesting is that it was widely seen as toys and such in Japan, where most people don't even know the origins of the visual, but are so used to seeing it that it is almost a bigger part of their culture than is ours at this point. These days, a lot of people know the imagery of the Flatwoods monster and don't realize there is an actual story behind it. The town of Flatwoods has fully embraced their place in pop culture history, as they now have a Flatwoods monster museum that is one part visitor center and one part monster museum. But perhaps the more interesting part of the story is that of the remaining survivors of the original sighting. You see, as time went on and the creature gained its own place in the world, the true story was never really told until more recently. You see, the May brothers always told the true story to those who wanted to hear it. But it was far less interesting than what it had become. The sighting was true exactly how they told it. They saw something crash. They gathered some folk, including a dog, to head up there to see what it was. But they didn't find much. They did see something in the dark that was tall and the eyes seemed to be visible. But that is where the similarities end. The story of the poisonous fog and the dog that died were all the additions that the various um, newspapers or residents made. The story of the military secretly coming in may also be false, as there really isn't much information out there about Colonel Dale Leavitt actually talking about commanding troops to secretly investigate the alleged crash. In the year 2000, Joe Nickel of the Committee of Skeptical Inquiry had determined that the sighting that people saw that night in the sky was likely a meteor, as they were able to track reports across multiple states of a fireball in the sky that same night. Additionally, the actual descriptions from the witnesses, and not the ones that were spread nationally, fit that of an owl at night. Could it have all just been a misidentification? Also, it should be noted that the UFO writer, Gray Barker, was actually quite skeptical of the paranormal and told his sister that he only wrote the books and articles he did for the money. He considered the entire study of UFOs and the other paranormal things that he talked about to be a big joke. Uh, he knew how to add, how to take a story and add his flair to it to make it sound even more terrifying and mysterious. In the end, you have two different Flatwoods monsters. One that breathes fire, has large glowing eyes, floats above the ground, came from a crashed UFO, and emits a poisonous fog that kills dogs and makes people vomit for hours. And then you have the one that may actually have been an owl that was misidentified due to nerves after seeing someone strange in the night sky. The May brothers still to this day say they saw something in those woods at night. But even they admit that they don't know what it was. Like any great tale, there is the story we all know. And there is the true story. We may never know the true story, but at the end of the day... I think we rather believe the extraordinary over the ordinary. All right, Anna. So we just talked about the Flatwoods monster, and it is a crazy story, right? Like, I grew up my whole entire childhood knowing about the Flatwoods monster, but the way that, like, pop culture made it out to be this weird, like, <laughs> almost like, I don't know, fish-like creature that was yeah. floating and hovering around and things like that. Uh, what do you think about it? Um, 
For the top one, I think it's crazy looking because it looks like a weird fish leaf head thingy, like you said. Um, but the one that was described by, like, the, the boys um, looked more scary and more, like, alien-like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the pop culture one looks crazy. And the um, described one by the boys still looks crazy, but mm. it's cool. Yeah. So I'm, I've got a picture up, which we'll have this on the website as well. But this picture is actually what the mother of the Maze Brothers, Kathleen, <laughs> basically drew or, or had somebody draw to ex- describe what they saw. So, so her initial like descriptions when they went and talked publicly uh-huh. were very heavily here. This is actually that boy right there is the Gene Gene Clemens who saw who originally like went and talked to the police about it. He was the one who was part of the National Guard, oh, that's and the cool. and the woman there is Kathleen May, the mother of Ed and Fred. Oh, yeah, and, and they, I can see there's a tiny person mm-hmm, like, that so show tiny. scale. Yeah. So if you can see there, I mean, that's that thing is enormous there. That's like substantially b- bigger than 10 feet tall. Yeah. Or that's a small person, I suppose. But but this is what they originally brought over. They went to New York and they visited there and talked to CBS or something like that um, and, and showed them this. Yeah. And that's what started the kind of spiral of like imagination. Newspapers started talking about it and just adding all that extra stuff about it being like fire breathing and, and all these things. And then other people started to report, talk about their reports and, and you know, that, Oh, they pulled over their car one night cause they're having car trouble. And this thing came out of the woods at them and it looked just like that thing they heard about on paper. And then it yeah. emitted a poisonous fog and they were puking for hours afterwards. And it's like, where'd these stories suddenly come from? Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, historically people tend to try to add themselves to, Events. Um, this has been seen numerous times throughout history. Uh, big events that happen, be it like an attack on on our country, or or like you know Roswell, New Mexico is a great yeah. example of that. The Roswell crash. All these people came forward and were like, "We were part of that. We we've got all this information." Mm-hmm. And then later they were proven to never have been even been in that town or you know during yeah. that time. So so this isn't uncommon at all but what's interesting is that their initial thing that they reported um you can see it's got like these claw-like hands yeah um which i mean if you look at it in a subjective or objective view i mean yeah and you were to almost do like a squint on it you could almost see how this could actually be have been an owl like in a tree yeah like if the body was a tree and it's hands there where it's big claws right because yeah. owls have huge talons. Oh, I'm starting to see that. Right? Uh-huh. Just take away the torso, kind of. Well, yeah, but if the torso like was actually, like, say, a tree, and it was standing, like, on a tree stump or something, and I was just standing there looking over at them, and then yeah. if the moonlight was hitting just right and the eyes were glowing, there's numerous things where this could have been just them really freaked out, and then uh-huh. they saw that and was like, that is something super freaky looking. Now, yeah. is that actually what they saw? We don't know. We don't it know. could have been this. Yes. We we just don't know. It was the only time it was ever actually seen, more or less. 
Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's where it goes from there. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about its, like, weird impact on pop culture? Um, first of all, I don't know how pop made that, though. <laughs> first of all, I don't know how pop made that thing Leaf had the Flatwood Monster toy thingy. Oh, you're talking about, like, the pop company? The Yeah. The, oh, okay. It's, That's not pop. what I meant by pop culture. Pop culture is, like, popular culture. So things that are mainstream and out there oh. for the public to see easily. Like, so, for instance... Um, some artists that you might listen to, they're part of, like, pop culture. Or, like, Taylor Swift is, like, oh. part of pop culture. Or, in, you know, TikTokers are part of pop culture. That type of stuff. Yeah. What happened is, in the 80s... They... This, like, suddenly just... Japan <laughs> discovered it or something, started making video games with it <laughs> as a monster. In one of the Zelda games, the the uh, Flatwoods monster shows up. Seriously? Yeah, Where? Yeah. In uh, Majora's Mask, I think it was. Uh, yeah, he's like a, a monster, like a hidden monster in it. And that's yeah, so it's cool. and that's the, <laughs> the type of stuff. Like it was in a numerous NES games and stuff like that. Um album covers, like there was a heavy metal band or something from like I don't even know where it was. It may I don't think it was the US, but it might have been that they had the Flatwoods monster as the cover. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then throughout like even through my childhood, I was born in the 80s. Mm-hmm. We had access to these little toys that were like, uh, they weren't cryptids, but they were highly, like, definitely <laughs> created based off of cryptids. So, yeah. like, one of them was Flatwoods Monster, and that's how I knew it when I was a kid, was this, basically, like, this guy, um, <laughs> it looked just like this one, in fact. Really? Oops, sorry. Yeah, the red, the red head with the, like, green tunic and stuff like that, that's <sighs> what it looked like. It was so silly, and I was like, what, what is this thing? And later I discovered it was supposed to be this cryptid, and, uh, and that was when I started to do research on Bigfoot when I was a kid and stuff mm-hmm. like that, so. Um, that's cool. Right? Yeah, it's very interesting. But, but, yeah, I mean, that's, out of nowhere, it just only became part of pop culture. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Like, you... Pop culture for you is a very different thing than it was for us. We saw, like, read newspapers and, like, and like magazines and saw commercials to see that type of stuff. But nowadays, you have access to, like, news and information 24-7. Yeah. Where you just, like, discover something. Discover something. <laughs> yeah, like, how... What... What do you think, like... If if this happened today, what kind of impact do you think it would have had on on the news and pop culture these days? And on the news, I think the news would be blasting. Like, every single news thing would be, sorry for interrupting you, but a strange thing has been spotted. And people describe it as a weird leaf head thing. And it'd just be bursting on every single news thing. But um, on the pop culture thing, I think... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fine. I mean, it's it's something interesting to think about. Like, the one thing I can tell you, and you haven't really seen this a whole lot, is that uh, nowadays, if you believe in things like UFOs and stuff, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people still to this day will ridicule you and be like, no, that's, that's silly. Why would you believe that? But that's just because... 
a lot of people either a have like fears of that even being a real thing in, in existence. Yeah. Understandably, like it's kind of scary the thought of like creatures from a different world visiting our planet, right? Like That's, it's so weird. Yeah. Yet at the same time, we're trying to do that by traveling to like Mars and and going to the moon and things like that. You know, yeah. what gives us the right to say that those are ours? They're not. They're they're the universes. Mm-hmm. Um. Where was it going with that? Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you get tossed into the same bucket of people who believe in, like, conspiracy theories and all mm-hmm. these things, yeah. right? If you believe in Bigfoot, then you probably believe in some crazy conspiracy theory as well, <laughs> which they're not the same set of people all the time. Yeah, there can be overlap here and there because people like... T- a lot of those people who believe in, like, conspiracy theories or cryptids or whatever yeah. tend to just be ready and willing to believe you know anything they hear or they they want to believe right yeah um the interesting thing about like when there's ufo news nowadays or, or or paranormal news is that we live in an age where computers are easily accessible and yeah. video editing is very easily accessible yeah. you know <laughs> And so you get a lot of people who are just instantly skeptical for that purpose, for that reason, right? Yeah. Oh, this must be fake because it's so easy to fake a video these days. Mm-hmm. It's not, still not really easy to fake a video. You can usually tell the ones that are really fake, you know? You, yeah. The people who are really good are usually too busy to be out there trying to fake videos. Yeah. <laughs> because they're, <laughs> they probably are working doing that as a career or something like that. Probably. But occasionally that type of stuff does come out where somebody who's really good at video editing and and graphics and stuff like that puts out a UFO video or a ghost video or something for fun. Um, But that's what makes it harder these days is that because that information comes out so quick, people will be like, I went and investigated a ghost, a haunted place, and they Mm -hmm. uploaded their video that same night. Before, that stuff had to go viral through, like, shows like Sightings. That was a show about paranormal stuff. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you didn't know about it unless some local newspaper wrote it, and then some other news stations, like, picked it up and started talking about it. But even yeah. news stations, they'll be like, do we have visitors from another planet, or is it just popcorn? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> something silly like that. And then they make fun of it the whole time. Um, it's tricky believing or wanting to believe in paranormal or weird things like this in, in any age in time because, because most of the time people want to just joke about it and, and not take it seriously. So, uh, I feel like that was a whole lot of me just rambling about stuff. Is there anything you want to talk about, about the Flatwoods monster or anything like that? Um, any questions you had as we talked about the story? I did have one question. Mm-hmm. If they, so if it looks like it has like a leaf on the back of its head, yeah, then why is it rounded and there's no like holes in it? But in the toys, there is. Yeah, I mean, well, not all everybody. This is this is exactly what I'm talking about the the whole pop culture thing. People just kind of and and misinformation and stuff. People just started to add their own tale to the like to the story. They like they started to just do their own thing they wanted to. Nobody could capitalize. Well, well, let me put this bit straight. Um, 
everybody in the world could capitalize off of the idea of what the Flatwoods monster was. So yeah. everybody goes out there like, ooh, there's a strange creature spotted in the United States. Let's make toys. And they didn't really care if they were super accurate. As long as they got it kind of right, it was like, well, we can sell this. And people will be like, ooh, it's that spooky thing that was found. Ooh, yeah. And yeah. and that goes for pretty much everything, every type of cryptid out there. Like, you can't trademark it or anything. Yeah. So you can go out there and make a Bigfoot sticker and sell it. You can, you know, make a toy of, of uh, Loch Ness Monster and sell it. You can make a trading card game about cryptids and, and that, sell it, like MetaZoo. Yes, MetaZoo, Michael, you know, mm-hmm. a, few time, a few episodes back. Um, that's the type of stuff you can do with cryptids. And so that's why you see a lot of variances. Like some people talk about Bigfoot being, uh, having very man-like face, while others will be like, no, it's very primate face or, you know, ape-like yeah. face. Like. Everybody has their idea of what Bigfoot is, and, you know, unfortunately, we don't have enough evidence out there to talk about it really with, like, with, in a scientific way. We just can say, Bigfoot is a big ape-like man that walks around, and he scares humans, and he throws rocks at them. That's the best way to describe him, kind of. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, but, but again... All those sto- all those are just ideas that may or may not be real because yep. we just don't have proof. There's plenty of videos out there that may or may not prove it, but we don't know because the evidence is not solid. And that's that's like the the basis of all cryptozoology out there, basically. Yeah. Um, but every once in a while, some bit of cryptozoology comes true, like the Tasmanian tiger. Yeah. And things like that. Like, those were all 100% true animals, mm-hmm. and they didn't think it was for years, so. Yep. Um, Until they dug for bones. No, well, they got footage of it a long time ago. They did? Yeah, and now, recently, <gasps> they've actually seen possible sightings of it again, which means it might have not have uh, be- become extinct. That's Ow. really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you a picture of that thing later. Yeah. Uh, well... I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about about this episode or mm, or in general? Let me think. Anything you want to say to our our invested uh, listeners who stuck with us through thick and thin? Oh, I want to say thank you so much for waiting patiently and you know being comfortable that we were gone for a long time. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I, I, I want to say thank you yeah. for waiting, yes. Me too. I know we said it at the beginning, but, you know, it's it really has meant a lot to us. And uh, and just getting, you know, the occasional ping from one of our listeners just being like, hey, is there a new episode? We may really miss it. It's, it's great for us. It's like food for our souls just to know that there's people out there who are enjoying this content and, you know, it definitely makes us want to keep going on. So, yeah, uh, not that we didn't want to keep going on before. We were just so busy with life because, and I'm sure most <laughs> of you can understand it's been a, it was a very interesting 2020. So, uh, but we're back and we're really excited and, you know, yeah. um, all right, well, we've got some really great things. Uh, well, let's recap first. Flatwoods monster. Uh, it was originally witnessed by what? Seven people, right? Yeah. Uh, well, well, six people and a dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the dog was still alive, mm-hmm. for the record. It did not die. 
Uh, it's been described as many things, including fire breathing, glowing, floating, uh, emitting a poisonous fog, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about what else? Uh, there are two different tales of Flatwoods creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were the two different tales? It was. Um, it was one that was overinflated. Yeah. Yeah, for and, sure. That was like the pop culture-y one. The, yeah. The crazy description. <laughs> what was the other one? Uh, the other one was alien type and crazy looking. Well, so the crazy looking one kind of came from the pop culture side of things. There's the other one, which was maybe that it was just an owl, and it was a much lesser crazy sightings, sighting than was originally reported in all the newspapers. That yeah. Was, that was the two. Which is, you know, what we talked about with the whole, it maybe it was an owl, or, or it maybe, maybe it, was it wasn't owl. as big of a deal. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, at the end of the night, like, we'll probably never know what it's, what was really there. Yeah. The, the Ed and Fred may, I believe they still believe that there was some sort of a craft, or mm-hmm. something that was crashed there, but... But I can't recall if it was 100% that they actually, like, still stuck by that or if they were like, no, that was just extra stuff added again. Yeah. Um, there are so many things that were added by newspapers and the media that just started spiraling out of control. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, but the funny thing is, as all these tales do, like, people ran with it, including <laughs> including residents of Flatwoods. They're just like, uh-huh. yeah, let's let's capitalize on this. This is a great opportunity. And people just started adding themselves to the narrative. It was pretty interesting. Pretty all right. interesting. Yep. Well, um, let's talk about next week, huh? Or mm-hmm. or next couple weeks. I, depending on how quickly we can get the, the next episode out. Yeah. We got a lot of research. I, I would expect that it might be a couple weeks before the next episode. We'll see. Our, we we want to get back on a cadence, but we need to get ourselves, you know, back into a cadence. So, uh, anyways, next week we will be skipping a couple letters because there's not a ton of info. We will be we'll be going back to a lot of them, kind of in the following episode. Uh, which okay. Anyways, let me just describe, <laughs> let me explain what's going on. Next episode, we're gonna talk about the Kraken. The Kraken. I understand it's K, which means we just skipped uh, what G H I and and J. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lot of letters mm-hmm. skipped. But there's a reason for it, and the reason is that the following episode after Kraken it will be about Loch Ness monster, and Loch Ness monster. That episode, we're also going to talk about, like, the Ego Pogo, which is... Ego Pogo. Yeah, which is another version of, uh, or, well, Issy, sorry. Issy, which is another version of Loch Ness Monster for Japan. We're basically going to encompass all the the sea monster, uh, lake monster, uh, yeah. into one episode. So it'll mm-hmm. be Issy, it'll be, like, Ogo Pogo, it'll be... Um, Loch Ness, like all these other ones. And then, you know, that doesn't cover G and H and J, but those honestly are very, very light on content right now. Um, there's a few things, but there's an, it's one of those ones where 
we would have like a five or ten minute episode because we would describe it. And we probably will go back to that after we do the majority of the alphabet. We'll do like an encompassing, here's the letters we missed. And it'll just be a big load of information in one episode or something like that. Information. Yeah. Uh, It'll probably only be like, I don't know, five or six letters or something, maybe less than that. So, But each one is only like a five-minute story, so there's not much... Uh, it'll make up a really fun like recap episode as we close out the first season of the show. Um, and then, after that's all said and done, we'll take a small break uh, as we prepare for Season 2. Season 2 is going to be a bit of a deeper dive into some of these um, bigger cryptids like Bigfoot and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's also going to be where we hopefully start to do our live investigations of places and um and the show's going to be hopefully ramp up and get a lot crazier and interesting we'll also do some more campfire tales uh and if there's other things that you want to hear as listeners let us know we always are love it when you reach out to us and have some ideas we've had some great information about like Icelandic elves and things like that that we would have never known about because that information is not as easily accessible. Um, so, yeah, check that out. Uh, we are super excited to be back again. I know we keep saying it, but we really are. We're thrilled, and I think that's about it. So thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. And ABC around. Bye-bye. ABC Cryptozoology